0: Hi, I'm Ryan, the chitinous rules guy. I'm Ben, the nebulous player.
1: I'm Helen, the scientist nobody listens to storyteller. And I'm Jared, the Logistics Game Master. And together, we are the Starting Equipment Podcast. It is time for another random encounter. You have no idea what we're talking about. It's not going to be a review. It's not going to be something meta. It could be anything. And today, that anything is how to build cities for your tabletop RPGs. It's a little bit meta. It's a little bit meta, but it's not completely focused all the time meta. Obviously, this is an enormous, enormous topic, and we're just going to, like, scratch the surface, but we're going to do what we can, and we're going to give some, like, basic guidelines. Today, we're going to be talking about building cities for your setting. We're going to cover some things we like to think about when we are first designing cities from the ground up, and why we think they're important to add to your narrative.
2: In the context of world building, the importance of any given city is Just like any other feature, the importance is proportionate to the role that it plays in the narrative. And just as a little aside,
0: just so you all know,
2: I am a little under the weather, feeling fine, but my voice is definitely going to be
0: a little deep. If you're going to use this setting for a one-shot or few-shot and never really go back to it, then the narrative in question is your plot arc. You're probably placing the most important on the details most relevant to your game.
3: Some people like to develop their detailed homebrew settings and reuse them for different campaigns or one-shots, and in that case, the narrative is not just the arc of your next game, but the whole overarching story of your world.
1: Let's be clear when we talk about building cities in invest- this for your setting you don't need to build more than you're going to use right that's what we're getting at here but if you're creating a one shot then you don't need to name the alderman for every district in your city that's just not useful at that point
3: At that point, I think the more important detail for that example
1: is you know that they have aldermen's and districts. Carry on. Exactly. Create what you need to create. Now, let's imagine you've put a city in your world that's totally not from a game setting and we're totally not ripping them off. Let's call it Great Spoon. Great Spoon's lies at the fork where two major rivers meet and run together to the sea. You might logically think to make them a major cosmopolitan trade center, but if all of Great Spoon's various trade partners have a whole chapter in your setting guide then it follows that great spoons should get more than an honorable mention where you apply
0: focus and importance in your setting determines the structural balance and integrity of the whole system remember world building is a concept for setting that transcends the
2: physical
1: location and includes the past and ongoing story of the place this is a deep dive but you do not need to dive this deep into every city you create. Sometimes the act of creating is the point. This episode is going to fit somewhere in the hazy space between advice and following up a story about you with a story about us, not because we want to take the focus of the conversation away from you, but because we are attempting to empathize and build camaraderie by sharing our own experiences that are related to yours. Which is to say, we hope to give you some ideas and feel free to disregard anything that you don't believe
0: will be useful. Are we experts?
1: Yes! Having a podcast on the internet doesn't make us experts. Well then, maybe. No, probably no. No.
2: Are we professionals? Yes! Maybe someday. We make no money doing
3: this.
1: Absolutely
0: not. Are we the boss of
1: you? Yes! I mean, no. No gods, no masters. We are literally and figuratively not but maybe we should be. Absolutely
3: not.
1: (laughs) With those disclaimers out of the way, I'm sorry, guys. To our listeners, sometimes I confuse city building with empire building and I'm just ready to take some shit out. With those disclaimers out of the way, let's dig in because this is a random encounter episode. The format is going to be a little more freeform. We're going to use questions to guide us
3: as we go, specifically the five W's you learned about in school. Who, what, when, where, and why. Fuck how. To hell with that.
2: We'll also go in a different order, but the order isn't super important. Any of these questions could go first.
0: In fact, you're probably answering and asking each of these questions multiple times as you go through the process. For our purposes, though, we're going to try and stick to a more streamlined framework, because that makes our conversation sound more natural. <laughs> Why are you giving away our secrets,
1: man? <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> you like opening the door, man, there's a wizard back here! Fucking keep that door shut! All right. First of all, the wizard is me and I did it while my cat was screaming at me the whole time. Man, you all are just ruining the <laughs> magic. From now on I'm the wizard and you all are wrong. This is why I'm in charge and why I'm the boss. No gods, no masters. God damn it.
0: Look, man, I follow a lot of RPG stuff on Twitter. I don't want to be the boss of RPGs.
1: That would be a terrible headache. No, you just have to be a bad boss of RPGs where so you don't care what anybody says. Oh,
0: okay, okay. You just gotcha. drink, day daydream, gotcha, okay. First, let's set the stage. We're going to start by cycling through all the questions to describe not our city, but the game itself, or the reason we're doing this at all. This is going to be the bedrock of our design because it sets
1: our scope. The term sandbox is often used for exp- Expansive settings, especially homebrews. Let's make it literal. Let's treat it like we are building a sandbox. You need to pick
2: a location. You need to make sure it's flat and stable. You need to decide on the design.
3: There's a
1: trick for building
3: materials in there somewhere.
1: You're going to get to make castles in your sandbox next, but first let's physically build the space. Alright, this first question is going to be your firm foundation. What? At its most broad, that could
3: be, what are you doing?
0: If you're not going to be playing a game, you can ask things like, what
1: setting is this for? Homebrew or established? What do I want to be able to do with this in the future? Am I going to run games in this world? Will I write stories in this world? Is it something completely new? Is it something that I'm cribbing from someone else? What are we doing here?
2: If you already know you're going to be playing or running a game, then it could be, what what game do you want to
3: play? If you're building for Pathfinder, for instance, you've got loads of established setting material to work from. You can create a new city, whole cloth, and weave it into the existing setting. Or you can pick one of the existing locales and modify it to suit your needs.
1: This is one of the most important tools to being a GM. There is nothing wrong with creating a new city. I love doing it. I have created entire nations, entire networks. It's a lot of fun. But knowing where to add and where to just add add texture is like a really important skill that you will get to hang on do not try to make every single location in your world if you do not have to if you are using a system that has a good set thing or it's based off of something that has a lot of details fucking use it If you're playing a
0: modern game set in our world, or even our world with some subtle differences, you might have a slew of
1: existing cities to work from. Remember, it's still world building to start with existing material, just like in a TV show. The characters may be in New York City, but the diner they get lunch at may be a set piece that doesn't exist in the real world. It might be a diner you've created for the purpose you need. You're still fictionalizing a place or modifying an existing fiction to suit your table. I wanna just like share a little story of how this happens in every single, action movie set in New York City. The number of action movies that pass the Bowery Poetry Club or even go into the Bowery Poetry Club, which is a famous bar slash cafe that sort of still exists in the city but is famous, and you see that logo all the time. As somebody who has spent a lot of time hanging out at that place, every single time I've ever seen, with the exception of like the TV show Ugly Betty, every time I've seen somebody in a movie or TV show walk inside the Bowery Poetry Club, they name it, they show you the outside. They walk in, and I'm like, "It's not the place. That is not the very Poetry Club. You, sir, are
3: not there." When you are fictionalizing a real place, you should take into account how much your players know about the real place.
1: This is really important. We have a game set in the town where three of my five participants grew up, and so when we describe places in that game, be they real, fictionalized, somewhere in between, I totally recommend that the other two players just look at a Google map and i use the real names of neighborhoods and places and streets whereas even if i were running in the same town but i was the only person who knew it well i wouldn't say you're in you know old southwest neighborhood on 28th street i would say you know you're in a moderately wealthy part of town with a giant hill speak to your audience
0: maybe you're playing blades in the dark with people which we have have lavished lots of praise on in previous episodes. Or maybe it's City of Mist by Son of Oak Game Studios. These two games have something in common. They both take place entirely within a single city
2: as the default setting. In Blades in the Dark, going elsewhere is an undertaking. And not necessarily in the scope of the core rulebook, but they do give you lots of jumping off points.
1: In City of Mist, there is only capital, the capital city. And beyond the mist, merely a dreamy understanding that there must be a world out there somewhere, right? This can't be all there is, can it? If you enjoyed the 1998
0: film Dark City, you should pick up City of Mist and give it a read. You might enjoy it.
3: So this question could also be, what kind of game do you want to play? Or what kind of story do you want to tell? We don't just mean campaign versus few shots. That's important as well but this question is about flavor genre vibes
1: it also applies if this isn't for a game what is the atmosphere you're going for in this world what are the themes you're developing for your character's backstory
2: golden age Four Color Comics, Metropolis, Silver Age Metropolis, and Iron Age Metropolis are three different cities. And then
1: there's Gotham. One of the things that's like really easy to say is like, what's the tone of your thing, of your game, of your creation? For instance, if you're doing a gritty noir detective story, guess what? I bet your city has a lot more alleyways than somebody who's doing a golden age superhero story.
3: Either way, you ask this question, you get three guesses what the answer is going to
1: involve, and two of them don't count.
2: Communication. The answer is communication.
1: At this point, you might not even be running a game yet. You're still floating ideas through the group text and let everyone chew on them until there's a consensus. Or you have just realized it's October 29th, the National
3: Novel Writing Month is in three days, in which case communication is just you swearing in a calendar and cursing the linearity of
1: time. That's still communication. You're communicating between you and whatever horrible God created the linearity of time. Next question. Why? Why are you doing this? This is both the most complex and the simplest of all the questions we're gonna ask today. Why are you designing a city at all? Easy answer. Let's say you're going to run a game and you want a major city to serve as the primary setting.
0: But maybe the answer is actually because you're a player in a game that'll be starting soon and you're writing your character backstory. You want to design the city where they grew up, give it life and vibrancy and use that baseline to help you get into character. And then there's the ever popular, I'm daydreaming about my homebrew. Mm, Yeah. Anyways, each of these answers gives you a scope. If you're daydreaming, then the act of creation is probably its own point, and you should go into as much or as little detail as you please.
1: If you're going to be running a four-hour one-shot in the city, you should probably just focus on the places where the PCs will spend most of their time. For a campaign, though, you probably want to understand a lot more about your city. You're going to want more detail.
3: And if you're writing a character's backstory and you need a firm idea of the place they grew up to help guide your thought process, then you're looking at a much more collaborative process with your storyteller and potentially your fellow players.
0: For the sake of simplicity, we'll probably keep talking about this in terms of games, but those other options are still valid.
2: We started with what, as in, what story are you telling? We built
1: on that with why, as in, Why do you need a city? So let's continue. Where? And we don't mean where is your story set. That comes later. I mean, that's important. But what we're talking about at this point, where are you going to play?
2: If you're not planning a game imminently, you might be able to skip this
3: one.
1: This is a very real question in the age of the internet and online gaming
3: platforms, because obviously there's something viscerally satisfying about sitting in a room together with friends, sharing food and telling stories, but that's not always possible.
2: And there's always something to be said for being able to sit on your couch, with your cat in your lap and your sweatpants on,
1: and not having to drive home after. Sometimes I even play game without pants on. I mean, same. Wow,
2: I just didn't need to know any of that.
1: I haven't told you when. You'll never know. Now you have to wonder.
0: Always. Your options for video and voice chat abound. Discord is probably the one we all know best.
1: So one of the reasons we like and recommend Discord is that when you create your own Discord server, you can add bots to roll dice specific to your game's system. Obvious caveat is that if your game is super Indian niche or the complex dice system, somebody might not have made a bot for it. But there are hundreds. If not more dice bots out there. So you'll probably find one that at least gets close to what you need.
0: If you're in multiple games and multiple servers that each use a different dice bot, here's a pro tip. Pin the instructions for rolling in a prominent place because otherwise everyone's first attempt to roll the night will be accompanied by a lot of swearing and confusion.
2: If you're going to be playing a game that makes heavy use of terrain and minis, such as Lancer, and you choose to play online, you're going to want to look at a program that lets you build and share maps.
1: We at this table have used a mix of Roll20 and Tabletop Simulator at different points, for better or for worse.
0: And then, of course, Forum RP Kids will remember the saga is told in play by post. This format certainly has some benefits for scheduling if you've got people on different time zones or work schedules, but communicating expectations is no less important.
3: It's the difference between people who linger on the board for 16 hours of the day, running away with the game while everyone else drops off the map, and having a balanced cooperative game with a strong sense of direction.
1: But maybe you'll get to play in person after all. Huzzah! Ah, there are still travel logistics to work out, depending on whether you're playing at someone's house, your friendly local game store, a rotating series of players' houses, or, you know, a graveyard in the middle of the night.
2: But what does that have to do with building a city, or any world building at all?
3: So, consider again how we got here. What story are you telling? Why do you need a city? We're now at, where are you going to play?
0: pre strands to the first question was, we're telling the story of an elite Met pilot squad in the faraway future. The second was, we need a home base for the characters between missions.
1: Ah, you're playing Lancer. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe
3: you want a map of this home-based sort of city, or more than one, and maybe you want terrain that's fit for Met Combat.
1: Maybe you
2: want character art for your NPCs and locations.
1: How much of your city design will you make available to players up front? How much of it will be collaborated on with your players? Also, how would you like to make that available if you chose to. Where you are playing matters because of how the logistics of playing the game affect your ability to communicate the world to the players. Just to be clear, I make up cities and places for games that I am GMing both in person and online. But when I am online, how I create my city is way more on tone and description and I make sure that every place we go in that city has a different feel to it and hopefully one that I can communicate in two to three sentences. Does it smell like rot does it this you know just throw some senses in there whereas if i'm building the same city for an in-person game i'm probably going to be actually building miniatures or at least things representative of what i want so that i don't have to describe it at all and i can just like shove it at the players Honestly, you can kind of think of it as the difference between what they have
3: to present to you in a movie versus what they can present to you in a TV show about the same story. The movie, you have to pick the punchiest, most compact and cinematic elements in order to package up and tell the story. With a show, you can develop it over a long period of time and there can be filler.
0: Do be careful when you're buying or making terrain for games because it's very easy to end up with, man, Jared, all your D&D games really seem to use a lot of
1: water towers in these villages. Yep, a lot of water towers. I've got like 12 of them built, deal with it. I put on new paint on this water tower. I put a sign on it, you should be happy.
0: So, uh,
3: speaking of minis,
0: so one of your friends might have a dedicated gaming room with places to stash terrain and a million minis from their painting and wargaming days. They might have room for you to leave a map and materials set up and largely
3: undisturbed between games.
2: That is my absolute dream. Your friend with two cats and a toddler probably can't do that if you play at their living room coffee table.
3: One benefit online gaming has is the ease of being able to just upload maps for
1: everyone to reference. Physical copies are a true and utter delight. No one here is questioning that. But either way, if you're describing a huge, elaborate city with a lot of places, being able to quickly orient yourself or your players with just a small, detailed map can be very, very helpful.
0: None of us want a a recreation of the Seinfeld episode where they played that game of risk. But I've been in games where I've made use of wikis for tracking journal entries, character profiles, and known location information. Obsidian Portal is great for that.
3: I've made and shared Google Docs for kind of the same purpose. We have an NPC census for our Hunter game that is basically this. You have a, a list of key figures and character relevant information so far in our Exalted game so I can remember what has been done. That's good stuff to make available to everyone
2: you can totally make referenceable materials for your city available to your players online even in an in-person game if everyone can bring up the information they need on phones or laptops then you're all set if they
3: can't get wi-fi or cell signal in the graveyard though that might be a little more difficult your phone should be a hot spot in that
0: graveyard i'm, I'm just saying There you go. Now that's just asking for your phone to be possessed.
1: Maybe that's the story I'm trying to tell, Ryan. At this point, yes.
0: Hopefully the theme of logistics first is becoming clear. Next up is who. So the question really is, who is going to tell your story with you? That's not just who you're going to play with, but also who will help you build this city.
1: On rock and roll. Okay, backing up to who you are going to play with. One of the benefits is knowing the people at the table with you well, is that you know and can probably guess the sorts of things that are going to excite them in the world before you start.
3: But
2: let's travel all the way back up to your initial answer to what? Maybe you're running a game for a convention or some other prepackaged module experience that you can whip out whenever you've got five people and some
0: dice in a room together.
3: If that's the case, then you may not know the people that you're playing with or what interests them.
0: You may decide to build the setting out in such a way as to put plenty of signposts pointing in the direction of plot and merely imply certain aspects of the city in broad strokes and allow players to
1: explore more deeply or not as they prefer. Here's another critical pro tip that you should ask people about if you aren't familiar with them and you will probably know if you are playing with people you know well and that is are there physical lines? Are there lines and veils that come up with city building? Is somebody at your table terrified of spiders? Then don't make spider related monsters and have a spider infested building in your city. Don't do it. Do not make yep. a spider district. You shouldn't be running in Menzo You shouldn't be doing that. Wow, that hit me like a truck in the forehead. I have read that name of that city hundreds of times. I have never heard anyone say it aloud, and that was probably perfect.
0: I think that's a lot of people's experience with many characters in that book series.
1: Yeah, because they're all nonsense consonants. Anyway,
0: and maybe there shouldn't be any major
1: Ananasi NPCs if you're playing Werewolf the Apocalypse. Just be cool, folks. Just be cool. Speaking of being cool, there are plenty of games out there with Who Will You Build? this city with is an integral part of Session Zero and character creation, and the answer is everybody, all the time.
2: In the Dresden Files RPG based off the titular Dresden Files series of
0: books by Jim Butcher, the city you play in has its own aspect and problem. In Blades in the Dark, a city is provided, but the group helps work up the major NPCs and fashions
3: the populated. And you and your friends have been turned into bears and the only way to turn back is due to all these odd jobs around town. You play, well you literally play what the game of the title is, but each Each player comes up with a location and creates an NPC for another player's location.
2: Beyond the Wall is a fantasy RPG where your character creation loops in other players and populates your home village with NPCs.
0: If you want to take things a step more abstract, I recommend Dawn of Worlds. It's a free indie system where each player plays a god in the creation of a world. The game moves through different ages where the cost of making different exchanges increases or decreases. So finally, when.
1: This is, when are you going to play? And this is relevant to your city creation because if the answer is once every three months we all have to travel to a faraway friend's house and make a weekend of good food and gaming. Or also, that sounds amazing. But second, people are not gonna remember your city. You are going to need to rely on supplementary material.
0: People will forget. You can ask them to take notes. They might take a lot of notes, but the fewer mental gymnastics everyone has to perform to remember where you are and what's going on better.
3: You can make it a part of the game if you like. Some games already do, like the Diceless Amber RPG famously allows you to borrow extra points in exchange for commitments, which are things like in-character journal entries, game notes, art, stories, things that players can do between each session to help flesh out the game world.
2: And if they do skip doing their commitment for a
0: session, be reasonable, of course, we're all human.
2: The point it loans them temporarily turns to bad luck, leading to more role playing opportunities.
0: But remember, if you're using supplementary materials such as maps, setting guides, and so forth, you're going to have to figure out the where in conjunction with the when. How are you going to get that information to your players? How often will it be updated?
1: And who is going to be responsible for it during the session? Boy, howdy. That was all a bit dry, wasn't it? But as dry as it was, spending some time thinking about the logistics before you start the fun part, before you start world building, is going to help you set the scope and expectations as you go. It's going to let you make a better world, make a plan, then execute it. Think of it like cooking dinner. Whenever you watch a kitchen show, they tell you to do your mise en place before you start cooking anything. You prepare everything, cut it up into the amounts you're going to need. You do all of your prep work, which we just did, all of your boring ass prep work before you get to the exciting part of cooking the steak.
2: I have no idea what that word you said is.
1: Mise en place. It's French. It means to make ready, I believe. Like your keys and your shoes and your wallet so you can go to Taco Bell.
3: Or
2: or good places.
1: So, or good
3: places. I or, good, or,
1: or places you want to eat. You didn't oh, know you were yeah. going to get some French when you turned into TTRPG time, did you? Because <laughs> it's a random encounter. No one. Knows. <laughs> <In French. laughs> Can we put some foreign language learning in every random encounter from now on? Oh, that's my new favorite idea. Okay.
3: Time for the fun stuff. Mm. So, you want to build a city. This time, the first thing we're going to ask is where is it?
0: You already know what game you're playing, or what type of story you're telling, from doing the pre-planning. Now we're going to zoom in. Follow your dreams here. Why wouldn't you? It's a story.
3: You want to play the Anatopia as well of Waterfall City? You want to put your own Waterfall City in your own setting? Yes. Follow your heart.
1: Okay. Uh, an example we gave during pre-planning was that the story would be about an elite squad of mech pilots, and that the reason we're doing this was to develop the place they call home between missions. Let's continue with that idea and say that our city is a space station in orbit around a massive rocky planet that is riddled with craters, crevices, and colossal underground cavern.
0: And maybe, in a feat of ingenuity and frugality, the station's original builders chose to use not metal and carbon fiber, but the hollowed-out exoskeleton of a gargantuan beetle. And maybe the exoskeleton
2: came from the now barren rocky planet the station orbits, which is absolutely littered with these still-glittering chitinous husks of billions upon billions of unspeakably big beetles. All clearly the same species, but with no soft tissue left, and following sufficient, inevitable deterioration that it's difficult to say what in the actual hell happened.
3: So the space station has spread through the hollow chambers of this dead Hulk's body occupying and fortifying existing internal chitinous structures that clearly evolved to support such a large frame. The whole thing is an amalgam of armored plates, welded metal, and a soft, squishy inside made up of the people who are never more than a technological miracle and a dead insect's grace from the merciless void.
1: You can picture it, can't you? Maybe it's glittering green, maybe it's patterned with black stripes on a glossy cherry red. Whatever color it is, it just drifts in a continuous orbit around the planet below. On the inside, remarkably unremarkable everyday human dreams play out, wrapped in a glass and steel, cradled by the ghost of a thing that once upon a time humans might have called God if you look out
0: through the windows of the station's life support envelope into the hollow spaces of the exoskeleton you can see hollow projections of corporate slogans and local advertisements dancing on the inside of the walls you may live inside concrete proof that existence
2: is more vast and unknowable than your mortality permits you to comprehend and you may spend your contemplative hours wondering if your influence will leave a mark on as many souls in life as this beetle has sheltered in death.
1: Before you can get lost on the rabbit hold of whether or not the existence of this station is a monument to the unassailable human spirit or to the profane hubris of a deeply mortal species in want of a god in whose eyes to spit. You see through the window next to you a familiar logo flashing on the distant carapace walls above. Good news! Granny Gingham's Pancake Hut is having a brunch special tomorrow. Everything is going to be okay. Before we move on, I've mentioned this theory of writing before on the podcast. There's something that we talk about a lot in poetry, and I know that people use similar mantras when they're writing longer works, but specific is the best general. And the corollary to that, the more specific you make your thing, the corollary to that is every detail that you pick should have a reason that you pick it. If it's not adding something to your setting, don't create it, don't put it there. It's just putting limits. But every detail that we added one by one in that thing added to the experience. And that was something that you did really quick. What does it mean living in this dead husk? What does that mean? There's a book, by Brandon Sanderson called Steelheart. Minor spoilers here, super duper minor, but skip 30 seconds ahead if you care. Steelheart is set in a alternate Chicago where a super villain has turned half of the city into complete steel. Like that half of the city no longer has concrete, no longer has windows. Every surface that was touching the grounds at a specific moment in time was turned to steel. We see that a lot because what does that mean for your setting? What does that mean for your thing? Like our main character lives in a building without windows because now now it's completely made of steel. What does that do to your psychology, right? Like that, that's a great character moment we see. Pick details that mean things for the story you're telling. Huzzah.
0: Now it's time for the why. Okay, so you don't have to come up with the explanation for everything you want to do. Follow the essential guidance of both Chekhov and those wise game designers who advise that if it isn't interesting, leave it be.
3: And remember, if it becomes interesting later, whether because a player wants to engage with it or because you think of a way to incorporate it
1: into the game, then you can always go back and develop it. But if you have any, say, magical or MacGuffin materials in your setting, this is a great time to figure out your location's relationship to those materials.
2: When we say to remember Chekhov's gun when you're answering the question why in your setting, what we mean is think about the potential stories you could have been telling. If you're excited about the where you just came up with, you can probably think of a bunch of places you can add a storybook or plot element.
0: But you can just leave hooks and threads. Unless you're creating for its own sake, you don't have to go into more detail until after a certain point, until you or someone else decides to push in that direction.
1: If you're not going to be spending a lot of time in a given location, don't worry about it. Less can be more as this. Going too far with the why bogs down your players, it bogs down you, it bogs down your story, and it takes the fun out of your set. So what about our example? Well, Um, here are some whys that we probably want to fill out
3: before game because they seem interesting.
1: Why did they build the station inside of this beetle hulk instead of, I don't know, a sane place to build it? Consider existing
2: super rigid yet light structure that is already a contiguous piece with minimal need for repair.
0: Perhaps it's a bioengineered marvel. Perhaps this chitin has been rebranded bio-steel, and either it has been or is being marketed for armor plating or material reconstruction by fabricator companies. Perhaps they can't Fabricate the specific material structure whole cloth yet. So there's this dance of companies who are interested in using the stuff, but discreetly trying to figure out how to replicate it with a matter printer to replace
3: purchasing chitin in the long run. Addendum Did they have to launch the Carapace into orbit and begin to settle it, or was the Carapace already in orbit? On one hand,
0: launching the Carapace into orbit to build a station gives you a potential social niche for a
1: civil engineering guild that traces back to the station builders. They built this city on rock and roll. Maybe they insist that everyone knows their place here.
2: Maybe they collect the station taxes for maintenance. Maybe it's not all on the up and up.
1: Maybe we just want to sing that song instead of continuing. Maybe they're fighting the good unionized fight to keep corporate interests from staging claims either on the station or on the planet below. Now remember we're pre-planning. We're building a someplace for a squad of elite mech pilots to consider
3: home when they are downtime between missions. So why here? The elite pilots are typically a motley bunch, but... But if you've already established what kind of story you want to tell, you should have a sense of what the overall vibes of the party are going to be. If that vibe is a whole squad of, say, uptight, by-the-book Union Lancers, then perhaps the station in the exoskeleton of a beetle above a barren bug planet is not the direction?
1: This happens if your excitement carries you away in the where phase. The why phase is the check and balance that brings you back within your scope. That being said, I really want to play a game where my mech flies out of a giant alien beetle's corpse mouth. Just putting that out there.
2: And doesn't mean you can't use the bug station later. It just means you're either going to have to come up with a reason why the
3: Union has Lancers posted
2: here, or start again and keep the station for a later encounter. And
3: on that note, Jared, a fish out of water is a classic narrative premise for a reason, and a handful of Union core world Lancers assigned to keep an eye on corporate activity on the station during their off-hour makes fertile soil for future plot threats.
1: I want to fly out of the dead beetle's corpse mouth. He doesn't care how it happened.
3: Yeah, I don't care how
1: it happens, but I'm here for it.
0: Obviously, we could go much, much deeper, but we're going to pause here and move forward. For the sake of brevity, let's keep our transplanted Union Core
1: World lancers on the bug station example. The third question is what? What does your city do? What does it contribute to the setting, both in and out of the narrative? What role does it play in your story other than providing a corpse mouth? For our lancer
2: example, we've already touched on some options here that were threads we pulled from what and why.
1: We've added biosteel
3: chitin, which perhaps because it has largely escaped corporate grasp up to this point, or perhaps because there's a key missing element that is not properly understood yet, has yet to be successfully fabricated in its entirety by matter printers which define the post-scarcity landscape of Lancer.
2: These colossal carapaces are found in tremendous abundance on this otherwise barren planet. But what's a single planet in the face of a galaxy of consumption? And the
0: idea of a highly valuable material that is truly limited in supply for now would probably attract interest from any major players in the setting. The
1: fact that we're building into an existing setting, Lancer, what up, means that these sort of major players are often already developed. What you do from here is to adapt and apply those setting pieces to your game in the form of NPCs, plot, and general outside interest.
3: Uh, perhaps corporate agents come to the station to find out more about the biosteel, but while they're there, happen upon a group of player characters who are masquerading as free. Lance Lancers, the corporate agents need a job done,
1: will pay well, and the undercover union squad gets a window into the station's corporate espionage ring. Let's imagine, if anyone here is familiar with Lancer, let's imagine that you've made a deal with these corpo agents and all three of the major corporations are represented here, and then someone claims that they're a Horace representative shows up. What does that do to your thing? How does that change this bug world you've built? These are all things to think about. You
2: might notice at every stage of this process, process, there are plot ideas and NPC ideas. Nothing is super fleshed out, but you could get lost in the details at this point.
0: Moving on, what's something else that could have drawn anyone to this spot?
3: Perhaps it's pretty far off the beaten path.
1: Maybe there just isn't much in this section of solar system. This is one of the biggest rocks around. Perhaps that's what makes it valuable as a relay outpost in an otherwise empty region of space. Perhaps the vast majority of traffic through this area has signals, leapfrogging from relay to relay to your home hollow screen and this is the only safe lily pad for vast, uncountable space in any direction.
0: And on that subject, perhaps that helps explain why the station's founders built the station to an existing exoskeleton. That far away from home, the tough outer structure was just one fewer thing they needed to ship in from a distant fabricator in another system.
2: Really building towards a scruffy, edge-of-the-universe band of weirdos in this isolated little town inside a giant dead beetle. And frankly, I'm here for it.
1: But Maybe that's not enough. Perhaps a communications relay as valuable, sure, but how many people do you actually need to run one? Like?
0: On the other hand, there's a whole rocky planet down there. Perhaps there's an opportunity for a small planetary mining outfit, with a little outpost down there and the massive dead bug in geostationary orbit above.
2: Perhaps the mining outfit does dig up a modest but sustaining amount of valuable material for the interstellar market. Food for the matter, printer. but really they are known for harvesting the raw material for specialty items made from the elytra and wing- Casings of these colossal beetles.
3: There's a setting element in Lancer that true symbols of wealth and status in many places are natural materials that have been made into handcrafted items. A necklace with a laser cut inlay of a ruby red beetle skeleton harvested from a dead animal on a distant world, cut by an artisan and brought to a core world, would be next to priceless.
1: Okay, so now we've got a small mining holding and communications relayed. The station is shaping up to be the hub for various services industries where the miners come to blow off steam and oh guess what we have also just put in story hooks for things that go wrong and our lancers can investigate we now know what keeps the station sustained and we now know what makes it unique so we can go from there to what role it plays in the pc's lives so now
3: who goes
1: there whether you start with the who or the when is up to you in fact it should be clear at this point that the order of doing this is well frankly arbitrary but you should be asking yourself at all of these questions throughout all of your process.
2: But at this point, you've almost certainly generated enough interesting threads and loose parts that you have a sense of where you want to go with your plot. You also can touch back on the original pre-planning element. What kind of story do you want to tell to help you review what you've established and what holes still need filling? A very prominent one at this point is who lives
3: here. The story so far is that we've got a fish out of water group of elite lancers, union born and bred, deployed to the station in the middle of absolutely nothing. The station is part communications hub, part home away from home for a small planetary mining outfit that works on the rocky planet below, extracting a humble volume of valuable material, but enough to justify their continued presence.
0: Also a gargantuan alien beetle husks that are like a mile long.
1: Up to this point, we've referred to the planet as barren, but haven't developed that further. Whether that means theoretically survivable, but bewilderingly free of any natural life, or requires life support to traverse, we'll dramatically change what daily life is like for the miners posted on.
3: We propose that the beetle carapace wasn't always in orbit around this planet. On the contrary, perhaps it was placed here by a guild of civil engineers, which originally designed and built the station.
2: Being responsible for maintaining the structure that is literally the foundation for life in this system could give the guild a great deal of political or social weight depending on whether your setting has checks and balances against such hierarchical tendencies.
0: For instance, if there's noticeable wealth gap on the station, or any other large disparity in how people are treated along some social axis, that might grate on the PCs, who being stalwart union citizens, albeit undercover, were raised on the core political and philosophical tenet everyone must have their needs met.
1: Before we go deeper into the local politics of this station, which we're definitely going to do, in this story in In any city that you build, I think it is really worth your time to ask yourself two questions. Who is in charge and how has the shape and location of your city influenced who is in charge? If you investigate those two things to their fullest, you will always have an interesting city. Okay. Getting deeper into the local politics of the station, we might start with the interplay between the guild of civil engineers and the planetary miners whose influence and presence are potentially both quite dominant in the station for different reasons. Businesses that have largely been able to support themselves out here by catering to off-duty miners form another meaningful stratum of the social burrito, as do any artisans who previously made their business cutting and shaping those extraordinarily valuable pieces of harvested beetle chitin. And then, to top it all off, agents
3: sniffing around
1: to find a
3: foothold on the station that had previously not seemed profitable enough. They've just recently arrived to rock an already unsteady boat adrift above a swarm of jellyfish.
0: And if we were going to start making NPCs, Core members of these groups seem like a great start. But on the
2: subject of making NPCs, this is a place where, in any game, you can find a way to get the players involved.
1: Games where players are first asked to create one or more ties to NPCs in the world, include Spire, Blades in the Dark, Scion, and any game I run.
0: Dig through backstories, ask for background character profiles, reward players for fleshing out their ties and contacts, build NPCs and PCs as a baseline, creating foils and supporters with overlapping conflicting goals.
1: Ask the players, ask each other, cast the ensemble together. This is so much fun if you make it a team exercise. Okay,
3: so let's go back to our pre-planning again. These Lancers are here to be the Union's eyes as they go about their usual business being heroes for hire, making this their base of operations for both Union and freelance jobs, which may take them out of the system, around the station, or down to the planet's surface. There's
0: pretty much always work for a Lancer in Frontier space.
2: But that also means they'll need places to stay, places to house their and there are other bits and bobs that go into being a Lancer.
1: Don't get bogged down in things that aren't fun, but if you want to add some slice of life roleplay into your downtimes to make the station feel like home to these transplant PCs, those are some good NPCs to set up as well. I love in situations where like we've created a weird outpost, I love having you know, the bar at the outpost, and every time we come back we spend 10 minutes roleplaying what happens in the bar right? We're getting there. Don't worry. We're getting
0: there. You know the genre. You know the tropes. For instance, no self-respecting frontier space station would be caught dead without a lavish watering hole where one can partake of entertainment and or crime.
3: It's possible that I've been thinking about this since we came up with the example, but given the location, I propose the atrium, which is suspended in roughly the center of the main habitable space inside the carapace, and naturally would have been designed with big red panes of glass and, and glittery red chitin welded together in the rough shape of a heart, and it will have lots of windows and have one of the best
1: views on the station overlooking that whole carapace chamber.
2: We know what we're here to play,
1: damn it. And now you have another batch of NBCs to bring the setting to life key staff at the atrium, and an easy locale to keep in your back pocket.
2: Also, final note, there's absolutely no requirement to have a bunch of accessories when you run or play a game. Expensive dice, custom train, custom minis, maps, art, so on and so forth.
1: Do not expect top-dollar professional production value when you sit down with your friends or with strangers to play a casual game. We should not have to say this, but we do.
0: That said, if it is something you enjoy and can realistically do, do you have a friend who takes
3: art commissions? Go commission your artist friend. Gaming and nerd communities are so rich with independent art talent and those people also have rents they need to pay so rather than scrolling through pinterest for close enough go give a real life artist some money for just right and then as a bonus have a piece of art that's yours now
1: I've done that a couple of times. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Last but not least, when?
2: If you've got a timeline built into your setting, then you're going to need to establish when in that timeline the narrative you are designing will take place.
1: You may not have a timeline, either because you're working with a setting where it's not super relevant, (coughs) cough, cough, lancer, or this is your homebrew world and you're developing it over so much time that that's not really a concern. And there are two approaches here. One is to start in
0: the beginning, and the other is to start with what your players would know.
3: If you expect there will be plot to dig into the history of the planet and the dead beetles, for instance, you should definitely figure out what happened
1: in the beginning and why. For us, we're going to use this opportunity to patch a hole in the narrative so far. The history of the station, when it was established, and when the beetle planet it orbits were discovered are all relevant to the underlying conceit that this beetle chitin is unique, valuable material. We could say that the
0: planet was known about for a while, but not considered of any material interest until a small mining interest docked to stake a claim.
2: We could then say that after 20 years prior to the start of the game, the station was put into orbit and the mining operation started up.
3: Necessarily, the properties of the Chiton would have been recognized prior to the decision to utilize it as a shell for the space station, but that might have been a discovery made on the planet.
0: Backtracking to the who's who in our station, we can insert that potentially the mining outfit and what is now the Guild of Civil Engineers may have been much more closely interrelated than is presently the case, if not a joint operation.
2: 20 years or so, means that the crusty old-timers who made something of the station and were potentially here when it launched may still be in the system. But there's also enough time for the first generation of children born on the station to have reached adulthood, with more on the way, laying the groundwork for schisms and social
1: customs and values to start appearing. So, why are things advancing now?
3: Well, space is
1: big. Though the reach of corporate entities and the union are vast, they are also not all-encompassing. It's possible that while this bio-steel has been sold to some collectors and specialists before, its unique physical properties and potentiality had largely not been known outside the system.
0: In the right circles, prestige objects inlaid or carved from glittering chunks of the stuff weren't generally ever pressed to take a
1: bullet. So no one ever thought to ask if they could. Somehow,
2: the open secret got out.
1: Perhaps a Holovid star was spotted at a gala and asked about their stunning necklace. The viral spotlight drew more attention to what had previously been a cottage industry of artisans on this station.
2: Then, it was only a matter of time before corporate reps and union engineers noticed a whole space station shell had been built with the stuff, which had maintained its structural integrity after being raised from the planet's surface and shot into orbit.
3: They had many questions and were very eager to subscribe to the newsletter. As seen on TV.
0: The natural culmination of this discovery have been steadily ramping up tensions between competing interests each vying for control over, or even just more information about this substance.
3: And the player characters will find themselves on the front line.
1: In summary, we could obviously go into way more detail. This was a very streamlined build to give us a skeleton you could run a campaign off of. We hope you did get some use out of the method, or at least enjoyed as much as we
0: did. But for fear of
2: talking it to death, we're going to go around the table now and have everyone throw out one setting piece that either we didn't cover or that they would change.
1: The Hidden Council. There are nine people who run this city, and no one knows who they are. Each of them has a mask. The masks are all shaped and named after a landmark in the city. Each of the rulers is known only as that landmark. That is where they can be found on a regular basis, and they each hold their own court. Who is the atrium? Who lives there? Who has that as their mask? Who's the atrium? I must know! Particulates of the chitin shell are, of course, everywhere
0: in the station. Human bodies have a hard time breaking them down, so instead it just puts them wherever it can. This has led to people developing prismatic sheens in their nails and hair
1: that is so freaking cool like it like it a lot when are we playing this again i'm getting to it ben if you don't have i mean if you have one that's yeah it's it. fine yeah. if you don't have it
2: yeah i don't have one
3: uh I like the trope of the scientist nobody listens to. I watched a lot of sci-fi movies on Saturday mornings growing up. So it would be one of the crusty old civil engineers who was there when the station was built who has spent their free time ever since digging into the question of what happened to cause literally billions of these giant beetles to one, exist and achieve prodigious size on an otherwise lifeless world. And two, die here. Absolutely all of them dead, just a feral scientist running around on the back of beetle corpses out in the middle of nothing and I am not going to go into any more detail about it because I might actually want to run this at some point yeah dude I've been playing this lancer game in a hard beat so a I
0: can't I can't decide which image I find funnier because I was picturing them as rhinoceros beetles of either a they get into their sparring matches they're their wrestling and occasionally one of them flips the other one into orbit. <laughs> Like the mining company goes out here and there's this planet where just there are mile long dead beetles in orbit and like what? the fuck or them attaching rockets to the exoskeleton of one on the planet to lift them off and as it like flies to the air it's you know hollow little legs are just wiggling behind it i don't know which 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 i find funnier
1: but both of them are pretty funny funny in that existential kind of way yeah funny but in a way you could absolutely build a campaign off of it yes yes definitely a
3: lot of i have to laugh at this otherwise i'm going to become very aware of my own mortality very quickly I, I don't feel comfortable with that right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm Ryan, the Kite Rules guy.
2: I'm Ben, the Nebulous Player.
1: I'm Helen, the I-forgot-to-come-up-with-a-name-for-the-space-station storyteller. And I'm Jared, the Oh My God, who is the Atrium Game Master. And together, we are the Starting Equipment Podcast. Thank you for listening, and have a great night.
3: P.S.
0: Corpse Mouth and Social Burrito are band names. I'm calling them right now. Done.
1: Oh. magic we make with the stories told in this world we create.